Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. And we're just going to kind of read through a few of these uh, as, we, as we dive into this. And uh, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Just to understand for a minute, Paul's speaking to us about how wonderful it is to live in this covering and, and, and live um, in this belief system, uh, to live, if I can just make it a little broader, to, to live as a Christian. And I don't mean that in like, I go to church on Mother's Day and Easter, I mean like to live as a follower, to somebody that just subscribes to the understanding of the doctrines of this word that we, we, we live. And so he's speaking and just helping us to understand that we are a blessed, blessed people. And just to, just to back up for a moment, he's, he's beginning this operation um, in, in this text of, of looking back and saying, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord. So, so we, we are justified in the weights that, that we found upon ourselves. We now find peace in place of those because of justification, because of the faith. Let me just tell you real fast. You can have nothing without faith. Some would say, well, how do I get it? I'll tell you how you get it. You have great faith. You have faith. You say, well, that sounds so easy, so broad. At times, it can be easy. At times, it can be difficult. At times, it can be broad. At times, it can be narrow. Whatever the case you need it to be in the moment, I just want you to understand that you have to have faith. Faith enough that God can take you out of the trials you've been in. Faith enough that God can lift up the burden you've been dealing with. Faith enough to know that God can deliver you from whatever it is you're wrestling with and dealing with. And Paul was reflecting back on himself and saying, I remember the mess that I was. And I remember all that I went through. I remember doing some terrible things. But however, I have been justified. The apostle was looking back in his past and saying, I've been justified. I have a reason to celebrate and a reason to rejoice because I had faith enough to believe and now I've got peace. Why? Because I've been justified. I've been justified. I've, 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 I've got something that I didn't think I would ever receive or have. He goes on through him. Also, we have access through Jesus. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He's speaking about this tremendous blessing that you and I can partake of because of this justification that we've received and and he's speaking of these blessings, and I want you to just look with me a little bit tonight at a few blessings that we find in this text of Romans chapter 5. And there's a few things, be five things I want you to, 
kind of understand the, of, the, of the blessings that you and I get to um, um, wear almost as badges or glory in or simply rejoice in. First, we have access to God. That's important for us to understand. It's, a, it's important for you to understand that you don't only have access when you come and you ask and say, could you please pray for this? Now, let me help you understand real fast. You have access on a Tuesday at 2.28 p.m. You have access to them. You have access in any trial. You have access in any good or bad. You have access while you're at church or you're at home. You have access wherever you are. I never forget back in the days when I used to think this stuff was okay. To be honest with you, I hate, hate, I hate Halloween. I am not a fan of Halloween. Some of you say, well, I love Halloween. Okay. <laughs> I don't like celebrating the spirits, the darkness of the world. I'm not a big fan of it. Now, I'll do, a, I'll do the whole, um, you know, we'll do the thing where we get the trunks out and we, we'll have candy. We'll bring people on our turf. We'll light up the night. I like to, I, the idea of someday making it shine so bright in our parking lot that people are squinting because we're going to bring light to a dark night. I'm okay with that. But let me tell you, I remember when I was younger and we used to hop on our bikes. And I don't know if mom and dad thought we were in bed. Maybe so. But we used to ride our bikes all across town. My brother and I, Mark, we, we, we were like Lance Armstrong before Lance Armstrong was Lance Armstrong. We were, I mean, like we, we might be at Subway in Cata Valley. It's true, folks. <laughs> we, I mean, there have been many times where I rode my bike down the highway and we were just rolling, and we didn't realize water was good for you. I just remember thinking a Coke was nourishing, and then I had this terrible pain on my side about mile 38. And I, I, we were literally, we were the kids that had a can of Coke in the little spot where the water went. But we would drive, we'd ride our bikes everywhere, but one night my friends said, hey, we're going to ride our bikes around. It's Halloween night, and we're going to ride. And I, I had $5 with me, and one of the, let me, let me just tell you about this. This is why I don't like Halloween. I'm going to tell you right now why I don't like it. I went to Henderson State, and they had a, uh, they, one of, the, one of the, uh, the haunted houses was there. And I, I'll never forget, I, I always thought, you know, chainsaws, they don't have any chains on them. It's no big deal and whatever. It, wasn't, it was not a big deal at the time. In my mind, I didn't really think about it and have the application there. I, I, my mom and dad honestly didn't know I was going. I just kind of rode my bike out the front door. And you, when, you, when I took the baseball card out, you couldn't hear the bike. But uh, I rode up there, and I'll never forget they, they, they did all the goofy things, and we laughed through it, and I came around a corner, and when I came around the corner, it was out the back door, and out the back door, they had candles lit up in a, in a, in a star form, and they had a platform set up, and there was a figure that looked like Satan sitting on a, on a, on a large, elevated platform in a chair. And I'm, I'm telling you this. I've told my wife this you know, many times. We, we, I've, I've talked about this at times because it shook me. Because when I walked around the corner, I knew it was fake. I knew it wasn't real. I knew it was some goofy college kid that thought he was being funny. And the guy looked at me and he said, you must bow before you move on. And I said, I'm not going to bow. He said, no, you must bow before you move on. And I pushed my way through in a hurry. I kid you not, in that moment, I called on the name of the Lord. I, in that moment, I remember saying, I've got to get out of here. I don't like what I feel. I don't like, you may think, well, that's goofy. No, I strongly felt a spiritual presence that was messing with my mind already, and I quickly began to call on the name of the Lord. Let me tell you real fast. We have access to God. Whether you're in a, in a, in a Sunday morning church service or you're somewhere uh, at, a, at a terrible 
um, um, haunted house. You have access to God, and you better be careful. Let me just pause for a moment and tell you, you've got to be careful what spirits you are entertaining. You think, well, that's entertaining to me. No, no, no. You are entertaining them. You are allowing them to feel at home. You're allowing them to come in and make themselves comfortable. You're allowing that spirit to come in and kick its shoes off, if I can do that, and say, you know what, I might stay a little while. Just go ahead and grab me a, grab me a, a Sprite while you're at it. I'm going to relax a little bit. And so we've got to be careful. Sorry for the stench in the room since I took my shoes off. But we got to be careful. But I want you to know right now that if you find yourself in that position, you must know that I have access to God. It's important that you realize that no matter what you're in, no matter what you're dealing with, Jews were kept from God's presence by a curtain in the temple. The Gentiles had a wall built up. But all that changed, and you and I now have complete and total access. It's not that it's somebody else's. When somebody comes and visits us in our house, we say, hey, the refrigerator is open. You can get whatever you want. You can have this. Now, there's some moments we say maybe it's not open, but we say it's yours. What, that, what I mean by that is make yourself at home. If my kids open it, you can open it. If my kids are there, you can be there. If my kids get a Coke out, you can get a Coke out. You have access. What I want you to get tonight is there's not a cutoff. There's no you and not you and maybe you. We are justified, therefore we have access to the Almighty God. We have complete and total access. When he died, we had access. We have access. We find, again, let me just quickly, quickly help you see this through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I just say, I have access. We have access. The second thing I want you to understand tonight is that in Christ we have a glorious hope. In verse 2, we find where he speaks of this, this, this hope, and we find peace with God takes care of of our past, meaning that Paul was reflecting on what he was, reflecting on what he had done, and reflecting on who he was in, in, in the worst possible areas. And many times that can keep you from having a peace in your heart. You think back on who you were. There's somebody that in Northwest Arkansas, I've told you many times about James. James was a guy that, that I met at a, um, at a halfway house. Uh, we were there for just about six months and I, I went by, met James. James was a recovering um, addict, and I had no idea at the time anything about his background. We would go every Sunday and every Wednesday and pick him up. We'd put him in the car. He would talk 90 to nothing. And I'm telling you, he was just talking, 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 talking. And I would say, well, and he would interrupt me. And I'd say, what about, he'd interrupt me. He'd just talk, 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 talk. And I remember thinking, oh, my Lord, if he ever stops talking, he might catch his breath and be able to breathe and think clearly. 
Well, he had talked, talked, talked. And then one service, he came in, and he threw his hands up, and he began to cry, and the Lord began to do a work in his life. He began to speak a heavenly language that, 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 that I thought, oh, my goodness, look at what's happening. And then I realized maybe there's something going on. Maybe there's some things I don't know, but I never asked him. And then James told me something about growing up in church, and I thought, well, everyone grew up in church. Then he said, well, when I grew up in church, then I went to Apostolic Bible Institute. You've heard the story probably already a hundred times. But I thought, wait, my dad went to Apostolic Bible Institute. What are you talking about? And I said, James, messed up, made some mistakes. Where'd you come from? Well, I didn't realize. He was married to a missionary's daughter, and he messed up, made some mistakes, fell back into drugs that he was in for years, and now he was carrying guilt. Now he ends up from Minnesota down to Houston to Alabama, and now in Springdale, Arkansas. And then he became one of my number one saints for over the years. But in the middle of all that, I lost James. Why? Because James had no peace. He had no peace because he could not deal with the fact that he had been justified. He could not deal with the fact that his past had been washed away. He couldn't deal with the fact that I still, I can't get over what I was and how I messed my life up and how terrible my decisions were. He could not deal with it. But Paul came to speak a word and say that I can't help. I know I've got a past, but in the place of my past, I've got peace. Where there used to be mourning and sorrow now, I look back and I can sit back and say that God made a way where there seemed to be no way. When I used to squirm and, and, and have a hard time dealing with what I was, Paul said, you've got to get the peace of God. If you don't have the peace of God, you'll never get through it. You cannot walk with your past. You've got to live in peace. So he speaks of this. He, 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 he lets us know that there's no longer a hold on our, on our struggles and our, and, our, and our sins aren't held against us. Speaking clearly saying that when you have now reached a point where you have access to Him by this faith that you and I operate in, that the Lord desires to take care of your past and allow you to operate in your present. So we've got to learn to have hope because of the peace that you and I possess. Everybody understand what I'm saying tonight? I know that everybody in this place could look back and say, I sometimes struggle with something maybe I was or did, but I've come to tell you. You better just pray, for, pray that the peace of, the, of God settles upon you. You have access to Him. You have access to Him. Third thing I want you to understand tonight is that we have, I know this seems a little, little off maybe, but we have strength. In tribulations. You say, well, I don't want tribulations. No, no, no. I've come to tell you that you have strength in tribulations. Verse 3 we find, and not only that, he says, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. He's he's speaking a word to let them know that this is the flow of tribulations. That tribulations can come and and, and they can can present themselves as maybe your demise. They can present themselves as a stumbling block that that you you can't get through or get over. But I've come 
to tell you is what, 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 what he's speaking here in this moment, saying that you've got to learn to persevere through that. Why would you persevere? Because perseverance then proves your character, and your character produces in you the hope that you've got to have to sustain you, to carry you, to drive you, to lift you, to push you through. It's not always going to be easy, but you have to continue on in the fight. I've got to continue on. I've got to go through tribulations. I've got to face things, but I can stand on the grace of God. And I can understand that I cannot be purified without the fire. I cannot be cleansed without a purging. At times right now, I know there's some that are walking out in gardens. I know we talked about gardens at mother, on Mother's Day. But there's, some, there's some that are walking out in gardens, and you're picking out those little, those little the growth in between the strong uh, stems of the tomatoes, and you're grabbing things and pulling out some weeds. You're getting this and that out, all these things with fruit and with things that grow that are good. You're always going to have some things that you can say, you know what, this is not the easiest, but you've got to persevere. You don't give up the first time a weed shows up. You don't give up the first time something doesn't grow the way you want it to, but you've got to learn to persevere. I've got strength in tribulation. I reflect often on my, on my grandfather. My grandfather kept a journal. And many times he'd write in these things, and I've, I've, I've talked about this, I know, as well, but I can't help but think about it. But he'll write about the struggle that he's gone through. He'd write about the struggle that maybe a family member went through, through what, what Annette has, has recently gone through. He would have wrote that, he would have wrote it just like he was talking to the Lord. He would have said, Lord, um, Annette's going through a, a struggle. On this date, the doctor called and, and gave a bad report. It, it, it gave a report that told us this, this, and this, and that. And he'd have wrote that Annette's going to go back for another checkup. And Annette came home sick. Annette was facing this. And now, now COVID has come in. And Annette's dealing with this in the wake of all this craziness and, and all the concern. He'd have wrote out a big, long, two or three page thing. But at the end of it, he'd have wrote, but your mercy is new every morning. Your grace endures to all generations. Why is that? Because he understood what it was to persevere through tribulation. Sometimes you've got to call it what it is. Yes, I'm dealing with something. This is a trial. This is tribulation. I'm facing something in my life. It's not easy, and it's okay. It's okay to say, you know what? It's just not been easy. It's okay to say, every time I go to Walmart, they don't have the bread I want, and it's tribulation. Every time I do this, it's not right. Every time I do that, it's not good. Every time I wake up, it seems like something's gone wrong. I've come to tell you it's okay to realize that sometimes we face things, but at the end of it all, you've got to come to a place where you've got the fortitude and you've got the wherewithal to say, but God, you're still on the throne, and I'm still going to serve you, and I'm still going to trust you, and I, I will make it through this. We'll make it through. So we have strength. And tribulations. Next thing I want you to understand that we find in verse 5, he goes on a little bit farther and he, he speaks and he says, Now hope does not disappoint. Let me just say, I know the King James Version says, And hope maketh not ashamed. I like the New King James Version because the way it just kind of just, it's almost a sermon title in itself. Hope doesn't disappoint. Let me tell you real fast, you're hoping God won't disappoint you. 
You're hoping God's not going to disappoint you. He's speaking this so clearly because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The fourth thing I want you to get is God's love given God's love that we have and we possess, the love of God that is so, so real. We have the ability to experience this love that fills our hearts. God's love fills our hearts. God proved his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He proved his love by, by wrapping himself in flesh. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He proved his love by him stepping in, taking the form of man, walking about as you and I, walking about as a man, fully God, fully man. We understand it to be true. We understand he was in all points tempted like as we are. We understand that we understand he was a man that also had aches and pains and hurts. We understand that. We understand he was a man that was forgotten, that was ashamed, or that was shamed by some. We understand that he was a man that was rejected by many. We understand that, however, he endured that tribulation because he knew we had to have hope and enable for us, and in order for us to have the love that we so needed, he had to persevere through what it was was that he would face so you and I could enjoy the, 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 the love that we now possess in our hearts. The reality is, is that his love desires to fill our hearts. His love desires to, to do a work in us that's so great and so grand. His love desires to lift us from any worry, fear, any trials, anything of our past. His love desires to fill my heart. The reality is, is that you and I need to understand that when we, when we look at people, if we see them for anything less than a soul, we see them for, we put labels on people, if we decide to, Cast judgment on people. I'm talking about white people, black people, all people. We just say that. Just people. The reality is, is that his desire is that his love would fill our hearts so that we have such a desire and such a love for people. We have such a desire that we don't have to be um, conjured up into a place where we all desire to do something, where we find ourselves operating on a daily basis, on our job. We operate with people in our, in our classes. We operate with people in, uh, in the gas station. We speak with love and kindness and care. Why? Because his love wants to fill our hearts to a point we, it overflows into other people's lives and other people's situations and needs. Paul goes a little bit farther. Verse 6, for when we are still without strength in due time. When we are still without strength in due time. Goes on, he says, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die 
Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. See what he's saying there? What he's speaking there? Let me read the KJV. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Some would even die for the best of the best, but the reality is, is he died for man. God demonstrates in verse 8 his own love toward us in that while, here's what I want you to get real fast, while in the action or the, the current state, while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified, now on the other side of it, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He's saying that we can escape condemnation. We can escape that which sin was going to bring upon us. We can escape that which our actions, our behaviors, our lifestyles, the way we lived. Let me just tell you real fast, here's what I'm wanting to get to today, and I'm not, not far from being done. But what I want you to get today is that that, that it's not too late for you. What he's saying is, I, I desire to fill your heart up. Paul's speaking and saying that he did all these things. I found peace. You can find peace. I found the love. You can find love. But you got to keep the hope and you got to keep persevering. You got to know something. So he's bringing everybody to this understanding. And then he goes to them and he says, I know what your problem is. That while, while you're sinning, you think, well, this is a bad time for me to hear this message. He's speaking to them and saying, no, no. He loved me while I was yet a sinner. He loves you while you were yet a sinner. He loves us. Christ died for us more, much more than having now been justified. I'm on the other side of it. By his blood we shall be saved from condemnation, from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of a son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. What he's saying is just like you and I have to understand we have reconciliation we have someone who made a way we have someone who went in and paid the price we have a God if we persevere we have a God if we walk in faith we have a God who desires to say I know what they owed and I know the debt that's needed but I've come to tell you I've already paid the price I've already made a way I know I know you say well I've grown up in this thing, but I've come to tell you that you can't lose hope and you can't lose the joy and you can't forget about the peace of God just because you know the old songs and just because you grew up in the church and just because you reflect on all of this or that, it does not mean that you're exempt from thinking and praising and rejoicing for the fact that I was lost, but now I'm found. Without him, I've got nothing. Without him, I am nothing. Without him, I've got no place. I've persevered through everything I've faced. And Paul, Paul's speaking and saying, if we could do that while before, how much more should we glory in it now? How much more should we reflect now? How much more should we praise now? 
But I want you to understand, and what I'm trying to get to tonight, I'm hurrying here, but what I'm trying to help you understand is that it's not okay for us when we have new people coming to the church and we're so thankful for many new faces that are walking in. We can't look back and say, you ought to be glad for what he's done for you. You ought to be thankful for how he's blessed you. Amen. You ought to, man, that's good. You really should shout about that. Paul's trying to help us understand that we cannot forget. We can't, I know it might have been your, 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 your grandmother that walked into the church for the first time. I know, I know you might have been dedicated in this building when you were eight months old. I know, I know. But is it so far fetched to think that possibly without him, you also would be lost? Is it so, so far gone? Am I so far from the experience of repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the influence of the Holy Ghost that I forget that if he did not throw out a lifeboat, that I would not be saved? Is it so far fetched? Paul's saying don't forget just because you're justified. Don't forget just because you're now living on this side know that it's still alive and for people today what I'm trying to help you understand I promise you I'm coming to a close Bethany you can start playing is that when people walk in these doors if you do not express that you are free and that you live in hope and that you're able to rejoice, then they won't have anything that they'll desire that you have. If I look disgruntled and if I look like I barely even wanted to be here myself, then why in the world do we have anybody else coming? Why in the world should anybody else walk in this place? It's okay. I know you're going through some things, but the word of the Lord says persevere through it and keep the hope. I know you're facing things, but the word of God simply says this that you ought to walk through another day and say, God, I'm not giving up. Paul said, I know you'll face this or that, but I remember where I was and I have hope because of where I am now. The greatest testimony that can happen is, is in, in, in any of our services before the first song is sang or before we get to the place where we've got to hype everybody up and before we get to the, the pulpit to preach a message is that somebody that's been here for years, someone that's been here for years would say, I can't contain myself. I know it's your first time here, but I'm on a revival streak of my own. I've been walking in week in and week out realizing that I, I should not be here, but God made a way that this should not be my but God made a way that I should be on a curb somewhere lost and dying but God made a way he made a way and now I've got the love of God in my heart and how did it happen it happened because I have access I've got access it's easy for me it's easy for me to get used to the climate that I live in I mean the spiritual climate I get used to it. I know when to put my spiritual coat on because maybe it's a little bit too weird for me. I know how to back off just enough and sit back and enjoy the scenery. It's the climate I'm living in. I know when it's my time. I know, I know in these moments, I like these moments. It's easy for me. I, I get, I've gotten used to it, baby. I've come in. I've come out. I've walked in. I've walked out. I've been here. I've enjoyed it. I've clocked in. I've clocked out. I've, I've gotten used to it. Paul was challenging them, saying, don't forget about the peace that you've got. Why is he saying that? He's saying that you've got to remember that every time you feel that peace, 
that's in place of your past. And you ought to, you ought to thank Him. You ought to praise Him. You ought to realize you cannot do this on your own. And you, just like the next person that walked through those doors, beaten up and bruised and tired and not where you are, Christ, He loved you while you were yet a sinner. The reality is, is we're all at the same place. At the place of need for the love of God. The place where we need Him to move in our hearts, move in our lives, move in our families, move in our homes. The place of grace and mercy in a need of reconciliation. Amen. Would you close your eyes right now? If you feel comfortable doing so, would you lift your hands to Him right now?